Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 151 of the Get Around Podcast. I am all by my lonesome self in the Get Around Podcast studio. My name is Jake Atnip. Joining me via FaceTime, James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal. You guys, we're kind of getting the hang of this. I'm not quite sure. Do you guys think this is any better than last time already? Well, Jake, I'm able to watch the Champions League and do a podcast, so live sports recording, I guess. I mean, James is actually at home in his beer cave today. You're not drinking while you're on the I'm, podcast, are you? No, I'm in the dining room. Well, your whole house is a beer cave. He well, actually was He actually was drinking on the podcast. We were doing an interview with Charlie Peterson, and James took probably the biggest gulp of Gatorade you can imagine, and we all heard it like in, right in our ears. <laughs> Gotta stay hydrated, man. As Andrew just teased, we have a great interview with Traverse City St. Francis junior quarterback Charlie Peterson on this episode. Athlete joining us for 151. The extensive interview, we talked a lot about this you know, football season and uh, the games that are hopefully coming up for the Gladiators, so make sure you stick around for that. We're going to dive into a little bit of talk about the Lions here at the beginning of the episode because what happened over the weekend is something we've all been praying for, so there's a lot to chat about. We are going to reveal our soccer all-region team today on episode 151. So this will be the first place you'll be able to hear it. It will be in the newspaper coming up this week. So you got to make sure you pick up that copy of the Traverse City Record Eagle on Sunday. But this is where you can hear it first. We're going to go through the first team, so our dream team and our second team uh, for the 2020 season. So stick around for that. Then after that, we're going to dive into trifecta. we got some big news that sports betting will be going mobile very soon in the state of Michigan. So a couple fun questions for the guys regarding sports betting, and we'll probably bring up a bad beat from last night, which is just like, why do we do this? So uh, without any further ado, let me remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. we got to talk, fellas. The Lions fired Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if that's about proper. time. About time. I mean, especially at Patricia. Yeah, three years. He had like the worst record for any head coach through the first three or three years for the light. Like, what was going on here? I don't know why it didn't happen earlier, weeks earlier. What's the point of doing it with a couple weeks ago left in the season? I'm not really sure. You feel like the Bears are going to be next, and is Nagy coaching? Who's the coaching candidate now? Because you don't really know who's on the market. It's hopefully, I, I made the joke in my column. And this is okay. I literally can't lie to you guys. I have to bring this up on the podcast. My this is a credit to my mom because I was over the weekend. I was working on my uh, column. You know, I wrote that Jim Harbaugh should be fired next, and I could just see both of these, you know, organizations, programs, you know, taking that real big boss hoss move and doing the flip flop. <laughs> Matt Patricia, you know, they get their NFL defensive guy, and they take uh, Matt Patricia over to the University of Michigan, and then you know Jim Harbaugh sometimes somehow sleuths his way into the Lions organization because he doesn't want to move from Michigan, but he got fired from his job in Ann Arbor. <laughs> and I could just see these two programs once again just fall into despair for another however long it would be. I mean, you hear all the time there's college coaches that don't want to coach in college anymore because they just don't like recruiting. I'm not really sure if Harbaugh is one of those guys, but I thought he was a much better professional coach than he is in, was in college right now at least. I mean, I think yeah. one of the reasons why they sent why, why Michigan brought him back is because he was supposed to be good at recruiting. What he did at Stanford and stuff like that, he was supposed to. Apparently, he liked college coaching better. He liked dealing with the kids more than he liked dealing with you know all the the dudes in the NFL and all the egos and everything like that. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I mean, and he's always gotten highly rated recruiting classes. They just don't apparently know how to coach them. I guess not. I. uh 
I, I wrote my column. I know we got already already off topic of Matt Patricia, but it's almost that bad that it's just like God. I'm just so happy he's gone. Like, I, like mm-hmm. James, you're like, you're you're probably the biggest Lions fan. Who do you think? I mean, obviously we have uh, you know our interim. I don't think they're going to keep him as head coach. But who do you think they bring in I here to not. try and leave? You know, le- lead the franchise after this. I think one of the guys that they're probably going to target heavily is uh, Robert Sala from the uh, San Francisco 49ers, the defensive coordinator. Um, he's a Michigan native, played at Northern Michigan in college, coached at CMU and I believe Michigan State for a little while, um, and now is the defensive coordinator on a team that's gone to the Super Bowl. So I think he's the kind of their main guy. And to answer Andrew's earlier question of why you do it now, it's because uh, with coaches, you can't interview coaches can- coaching candidates who are currently employed by a team, but there's no such rule for general managers. So you can go out and you can interview other teams' general managers right now and get that in place so that as soon as the season is over, that GM can start that interview process of hiring a coach. I, I got to put it this way. The fact that Bob Quinn hired Matt Patricia, I think, is more why Bob Quinn got fired. Because I don't think Bob Quinn made all the yeah. worst moves in the world, but he definitely didn't no, put I don't together either. a team. Yeah. Well, Bob Quinn, hired he hired the wrong guy. And then he went out and got the guys that the wrong guy wanted. Yeah. I mean, he went and he went and got the pieces that Patricia said that he needed to be a defense. That defense was just horrible, but not because of the guys that I think that that Quinn went out and got him. I, you know, I could understand if they didn't fire Quinn and just fired Patricia, but I think they felt that they maybe uh, just needed a a clean slate there. I know. I, I looked. I listened to a little bit of the media briefing from uh, Sheila Hamford, and do you think that she kind of did this as like a you know, because, I mean, she basically just took over control of the team within the last 16 months. Do you think mm-hmm. she did this as kind of like a, you know what, this is a new direction for the Lions franchise with me in charge? Or do you think it was more forced hand by not just the fans, but just by how bad Patricia was? Uh, I, I think it can be both. I, I, you know, the two, those two theories can, can coexist. But um, I think kind of any owner, I think the natural, like, the natural thing is to just kind of want to put your own brand on it. And, you know, I think that's... I think that there's something's got to change with the culture there. You know, I know most players really don't care who the owner is and stuff, but you know, this has gone on long enough that there is some sort of issue with the culture or something. Yeah, I do. I've we've had a lot of people call. Now you just gotta, you know, if you do all this, just sell the franchise, get it out of the Ford family. We all know that'll never happen. It is way too much money. Crap, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be surprised if that just helps actually keep Ford Motor Company afloat. Not even just with its advertising, but in general. The money, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. But now, now this is my this is my only other question: Do the Lions lose the rest of their games on purpose to ensure they have a high draft pick, and or do they tank next year to get number one overall and move on from Matt Stafford? I, I don't know that they'll tank. I mean, I mean, Bevel considers this an audition, so I don't think that he's going to tank. So, so I I don't think that they will. You know, they've already gotten a couple of wins so they're not really in line to be the number one pick or number two or three or anything like that they're going to be kind of in that back end of the top 10 where they were you know which where they can select another elite tight end <laughs> great but it, uh, is... i mean i mean pe- people talk about tanking all the time i'm just not sure if that actually happens when it happens in the like to have teams actually intentionally lost games to get a higher draft pick no there hasn't been any documentation of it or proof of players come out and saying 
Yeah, no, we were told to just stand yeah. up and well, let them. Well, not, not, yeah, not telling their players to go out to lose games, but coaches, the management can do things to yeah, coaches can to make sit that play, happen. Can like sit with, players who are barely injured and and yeah. like what the Dolphins did last year of just trading everyone away who was good for draft picks. Yeah, I mean, well, it kind of worked out for tanking. Them. Tanking. Yeah. Tanking for Trevor Lawrence doesn't sound like the worst idea in my book. I'm a I'm a known Matt Stafford hater. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback, but we paid him too much money, which I think has has hampered everything that we've tried to do in free agency. Why we have guys picking up like Adrian Peterson instead of being able to keep big name guys like, you know, Ashawn Robinson and stuff like that when their contracts come up, right? Like that's exactly why. I I mean, is the is is this whole experiment done, right? That's what I'm trying. Is with Sheila Ham Ford coming in? Is the whole experiment done? Is the 10 years with Matt Stafford at number one overall top quarterback, 11 years actually, is this whole experiment with the Lions done? Is it like a whole fresh face with the new owner, well, new leader of ownership? It depends on who they bring in because you could get a GM that can come in and say, hey, I think there's enough pieces here and enough parts that in a year or two I can, you know, piece this together and we can win with Matthew Stafford. Or somebody could come in and just say, we're blowing this up and and we're going to start all over again. Which would you prefer? Which would I prefer? I don't know. I think that they're going to go with the – I'm going to guess that they are going to go with the keeping Stafford for a year or two and trying one last time to win with him. And if that doesn't happen, then move on. Okay. Well, that's already taken up enough of our lives talking about the Lions, but go ahead and read my <laughs> column in the Record Eagle. It was a great story, a great column of how bad Michigan needs to fire Jim Harbaugh. I mean, like I started off that column, it pains me to say it because I really like to see them just in complete misery. But when you just look at it from like a sports writer's perspective and an outsider's perspective, you look at it, you go, oh, my gosh, like, oh, come on, guys. Uh, so go make sure you go ahead, read those columns. I know if you want to go back and look at James's columns calling for Patricia and Bob Quinn's head from like two weeks ago. A lot of the things he said rang true and probably maybe uh, Sheila Ham Ford read your column. and was like, it's time to chop the axe. Maybe the Michigan, maybe the Michigan brass will read. Maybe the Michigan brass will read mine and say the same. So, that segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's are freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak yeah. That's going to lead us into our interview with Traverse City St. Francis junior quarterback Charlie Peterson. He joined us here via FaceTime at the get around to chat during the sports shutdown and how the gladiators are faring and looking ahead to their quarterfinal game so let's go ahead and give a listen to that now the get around podcast is extremely excited to welcome in trevor city central junior charlie peterson thank you so much for joining us via facetime today charlie yeah, thanks for having me. We're really excited to have this Trevor C. St. Francis quarterback on with us, but we always dive into our Freaky Fast Five just to get to know him a little bit and to get to our listeners to get to know him a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start off with one first, and I don't know if you know the question, but I'd like it to, you to look if you could. What is the most played song in your phone of all time? I mean, it's got to be Light by T. Grizzly. That is my favorite song of all time. Okay, okay, awesome. Okay, so here's a good one. Uh, what's your favorite childhood cartoon and why? SpongeBob. It's, I mean, so many. It's so funny. I still watch it. So yeah, it's got to be SpongeBob. It's just so funny. Is SpongeBob still making new episodes? I don't think so. But like SpongeBob is like, it's even funnier now 
because I get all the jokes. Yeah, they're like twenty. There's like twenty years worth of SpongeBob, so you have plenty to watch. Yeah, you'll never run out of stuff to watch. Okay, so who's the uh, who's the best Peterson in basketball? Me. Oh, it's totally me. <laughs> that was so fast. <laughs> oh, because Cooper. And, so we all played as freshmen, and then we stopped playing. But like, they they played freshman team. I played JV. Like you know, I I the last time I played them, I smoked them. So like, I don't. I am better than basketball. Okay. Okay. Who's your Heisman pick? Because we were talking about that after uh, after one of the St. Francis games. That's. I think Kyle Trask should win, but the problem is he won't win because Florida's not like they're not a top five team. So it's probably gonna be Mac Jones. But I want Kyle Trask to win because he's so like Florida has a good quarterback for the first time since Tim Tebow, and he's not gonna win the Heisman. It is a travesty. Um, one more question. I, uh, what job would you be absolutely horrible at? I'm like the messiest person in the world. So I couldn't be like a custodian of any kind. <laughs> but I'm so messy. Not, having to keep other people's things clean probably wouldn't go yeah. well. I'd be insane. Okay. Well, let's let's go ahead. That was a Freaky Fast Five and not over to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. Let's go ahead and dive into the rest of this interview with Charlie. Uh, I know it's, you know, we, let's dive into this football season just to get started. I know we're on a pause, uh, but it's been, a you know, a, a good ride for you guys. Started out a little rocky, but you guys have been on a great roll since the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, you're heading off, you know, hopefully to play here on December 15th or 16th. What has it been like kind of taking the helm at quarterback and leading this gladiator team uh, on your junior season? It's been really really fun we started the year one and two and we were kind of like snake bit by injuries and then we finally got healthy and we started to realize pretty like i think we when we beat lumen christie we kind of realized like hey this team is we can win we can win it all and we just kept rolling and like eventually like even when we got to the charlotte game we're losing by a lot i think it was 17 points i don't think anyone panicked i think we were still like I think this team just has a lot of belief in each other because this group of guys has been through a lot since my freshman year. So we know how to handle adversity. It's just been fun to watch this bounce back from the start. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a couple of those teams. Jackson Lumen Christie has been a state powerhouse in a Division Seven basically for, for decades. And Charlevoix had their best season in years before they faced you guys. I mean, I think we all kind of favored Charlevoix in that game. And you guys, like you said, had that comeback. What was the attitude in the locker room when you guys were down 17 having to, like, surmount something against an 8-0 eight, an eight team that you guys, you know, know had a lot of talent? I mean, I don't – I honestly don't think anyone really panicked. Like, looking back, like, I think when they scored on their two-point conversion to go up 24-7, I'm pretty sure I was just like, well, all right. I mean, we kind of knew we had to score the next drive, but that was it. It's just like you go to work, you know, you start stringing plays together, and next thing you know, you're in the end zone. And we kind of figured we could just do that every drive the way we have been for the past couple of weeks now. Like, I don't think anyone really panicked. Obviously, we knew we had our work cut out for us, but, I mean, it's something we couldn't handle. Do you kind of feel like this team uh, this year has been underestimated in terms of Traverse City, St. Francis Gladiator teams? Maybe because this season got started late and not everybody got to see you in those non-conference games. Uh, but what do you think about you know you guys as a, as a whole this year? Oh, uh, absolutely. I think we were written off going into the year. But obviously it's hard to build any sort of credibility when you lose two of your first three games. So I think after the first three games, you're kind of written off by everyone including maybe some people even in like our community, but we rallied. And I think now we're starting to gain some like respect, but I don't think we've been ranked in the top 10 by the MHSA at any point this year. I don't think we have. I know we have in the D zone, 
because they like a slot, but I don't think we've been in the top 10, the official top 10 at any point this year. And it's just disrespectful because, I mean, I mean, the results speak for themselves, you know? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the people in the who were doing polls might have looked at your loss to Kingsley as if, like, oh, maybe that shouldn't have happened. Looking back on that game, do you think that was more just, like, small mistakes? And if you would have won that game, you would have been looked at a lot differently right now? Yeah, I think we should have won that game. I mean... There is the one player where they just took the ball and ran 90 yards without us, like, even on the field. I mean, that's all. I mean, that's fine. It was legal. They can do that if they want. But we didn't play very well in that game. I mean, any game where you have to throw the ball 42 times, probably not. Like, it was a fun game for me. But at the same time, we have to, we just didn't execute. I mean, it was a 13-point loss, but it felt a lot closer than 13 points. What's it been like as a gladiator this year, having that passing attack be much more uh, involved in that game? It's a lot of fun. Like, going into this year, I thought, I kind of figured we had all the pieces to be able to do something like that. And after, I think, the Grayling game, we kind of realized, like, okay, we can do this, like, week in and week out. And that was because we had to. We were missing so many guys in our offensive line that we had to lean on our passing game a little bit more than usual. And you look like when we got fully healthy on offense, you can see, like, our amount of passing attempts have dropped since, like, the Kingsley game. Of course, that's to be expected. But we've been scoring points in droves. Like, I think we've been averaging, like, 45 points per game in our last, like, four games. And that's just because we've been able to marry that passing attack with the rushing game being where it is now. And that's just because of, like, Owen and Aiden just being able to shoulder the load. So do so you think the uh, the Sault Ste. Marie loss was maybe, like, you, like, you talked – you know, losing two of your first three, do you think that was kind of more of a detriment to you guys as far as getting ranked and getting in the, the minds of the those people who vote in the polls? Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, the first thing you think of when you hear Sault Ste. Marie is UP. And typically UP teams don't get as much of like a rep as like Lower Peninsula teams. But the Sioux was pretty good. They were pretty, I think that's the Division Four team, but we should have beat them and we didn't. And I think like that was kind of recognized by the people making the polls. And obviously, loss isn't going to help you. But, like, I don't think that game isn't anywhere near a representation of what we were at that point as a team. When you were down 17 to Charlevoix, what what was it you guys were saying on the sidelines? I mean, you were like, I mean, you, you committed a couple of turnovers and kind of uh, gifted them um, some short fields and stuff to get that lead. Um, what was the discussion on the sidelines? I mean, it was basically just that. Like, you know, like, these guys aren't beating us. We're beating ourselves. We just have to minimize mistakes, and then we we started to do that. And we started to see like, okay, you know what? This isn't this isn't anything, like, because I mean, you said it. I don't think like I think they drove the ball like on a normal like eighty yard drive like twice. I mean, I messed up a punt, gave them the ball inside the twenty. We fumbled a punt, gave them the ball inside the twenty. Like we we were beating ourselves in the first half, and then we you know we turned it around and we shut them out in the second half. You know, all the games that we've already played, there's obviously ones that we still have left to play, and this is unprecedented what you guys are going through right now. Uh, missing the first three games of the season because of COVID-19, and then, you know, basically the jeopardization of the last three games of the season uh, yeah. by, by COVID-19. Uh, what has the break been like for the Gladiators and you in particular? How, how have you guys been handling this while still having to look forward to playing again? I mean, the backs and, like, guys who do pass coverage and pass catching, we go and work out and stuff, and we run routes. Because, like, 
there's no accurate way to simulate 11 man football without like football practice. So we have to do what we can. And we've been doing team zooms and watching film. And we, I know we've all been lifting and doing stuff like that, but it's going to be really interesting when we get back because I think all the teams are going to be very, very rusty. I saw like McBain got upset earlier in the playoffs. And I think it's, it's not because the team they played was better than them. It's because they hadn't played a game in like three weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some really, really weird playoff results just across all the divisions because three weeks is a long time to not play football and just come back and play. Supposed to get some news on if y'all are going to play next week or not. Does, what's that feeling like thinking a week from today we could be playing a football game or or not, you know? It is very weird because like two weeks ago, it feels like basically our season ended, right? And now like, I think like, man, in a week, I might actually be out on Thurlby. I'm thinking like, Oh man, like it's going to be a tall order for everyone, but I think we've all been waiting so long for this that like I think everyone's going to be able to answer the bell. So what's it going to be like playing a football game on a Tuesday night? And and how does that change your preparation? I mean, cuz it's got to change the order of how you do everything as far as practice and working up to it and film and, and all that. Yeah, we I mean we have to practice. Like I don't know if we'll practice on Sunday. Because, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are rules within our school system about what you can and can't do on Sunday for athletic activities. So it'll be interesting to see how we navigate that. But, yeah, we're going to have to practice on the weekend, probably, like, at some pretty um, inopportune times. It's going to be really weird, especially because, like, if you plan a Friday, you've got, like, the whole weekend to recover. If you plan a Tuesday, you have to be at school for the next three days. Like, that's going to be terrible. <laughs> like, I can't over, like... Usually, like, after a game, you're, like, sore and you're, like, not feeling good. And then I'll have to go and sit in class for the next three days and try to make it through to the weekend. Now, have you guys talked? I, I don't know what the talk with Coach Sellers is or whatever, but have you guys talked about taking advantage of, you know, possible rusty teams or you guys, you know, trying to make sure that you stay on top of things to make sure that rusty football doesn't happen to you guys? What type of conversations have happened uh, in, like, the, the team atmosphere to kind of keep you guys on one? I mean, like I, I mean, it's all on us if we want to stay like if we want to stay in like football shape, and I think we're we are doing that. But like, I know a lot of us have been like looking back at our film from like weeks prior and seeing like habits start to develop that we know we shouldn't be doing on the football field, and we've been and we'll be able to correct that with the three week layoff. So I think some aspects of our team will actually improve, but it's just a matter of whether guys stay in condition and like just have the right mindset to play. And I think we do. I'm just, I have to assume other teams are going to feel the same way. Because, like, everyone who's still playing is still playing for a reason, right? Because they're they're like us, you know? They want to win. So, I think we'll be all right. What, how do you think this is going to uh, impact the baseball season, then? I mean, when they first, like, I think it was in, like, August when they first made the ruling that baseball would be, like, postponed to the summer and football go to the spring, I was kind of thinking like high school baseball would be in serious trouble because all the travel guys would go and play for travel teams and not their school teams. And they fixed that, but by po- I think four-mans will just be canceled. And four-mans, just like we, you can only have four players in the gym at the same time. It's like an unofficial practice. I just think those will be cut out and we'll just go right into team practices. Speaking of baseball, what is it like to see some of your teammates play for the Pittsburghers this uh, summer? Because that was kind of like a once-in-a decade deal for them yeah that was super fun like case now i'll go to games and like heckle cooper and stuff it was always a fun time going to the pitch games because it's like it's pretty good baseball like all those guys are 
playing at pretty high level schools. So, I mean, you can learn something by watching those games. And I think I did. Yeah, towards, towards the end of the summer, it was just like gladiators versus the rest of the nation. It was, it was kind of funny. It, yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, Cooper was on the resorters and they were the ones that got COVID first. So all the players who came like from a ways away left the team. And it was basically just like local guys versus like guys playing in Illinois and Michigan. It was like, no offense to Cooper. It was kind of like the Globetrotters versus the Generals. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so, okay, so what were the uh, what were the best things that you heckled Cooper with? Oh, just like, I mean, if you'd like let an easy pitch go by, you know, like, actually Casey said something really, I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, Cooper, there was a pass ball, and Casey yelled, check your glove, and Cooper looked at his glove, and obviously the ball's not there, but Cooper looked at his glove, and it was amazing. And, like, basically all my church was just, like, making fun of him, not, like, actually, like, what was going on in the game. So pretty standard, like, brother stuff, basically. Really, really, really personal stuff? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Stuff that should probably not be aired in the in the public eye. <laughs> to the point where you just checked it on your shoulder because you weren't sure if he was listening or not. <laughs> I was now you. I know you said you you think you're the best at basketball. Uh, you, you know you obviously play multiple sports. What is your main sport? Uh, what is your college plans for athletics? Do you have anything around around those lines? Um, I'd say as of right now, I'm a football guy. Like I I want to do my own thing, and I do have plans to play football in college. And I'm talking to a couple schools for football, and a couple schools like football is just so much fun. And playing quarterback is so much fun, and it's just something I want to maximize. You know, I want to play as much football as I can. And, yeah, I, I, I do want to go to college and play football. How weird has it been getting the recruiting process kind of started in the middle of coronavirus, obviously? It's kind of, I feel like it kind of has to feel like a bit of a disadvantage not being able to kind of bounce around and do all that normal type of stuff. It has been weird because, like, you can't cultivate, like, personal relationships with any of, like, the position coaches and recruiting coordinators. You have to, like, it's through a phone, basically. Like, and, like, I saw that article about, like, guys having to, like, send pictures of themselves standing next to doors. Like, all of that is true. I sent, like, Prince's recruiting coordinator a picture of me standing next to the fridge the other day. Like, all of that is accurate. So, but, so how do you determine whose fridge is bigger, then? I guess that's up to their interpretation. I mean, I would have no way of knowing. And that's what you should do is you should start taking those perspective pics with, like, a mini fridge <laughs> where you put it, like, a little bit closer and then you look huge. Oh, fridge. It make me look like I'm huge. Yeah, just buy, just buy one of those like ones you buy for the garage that's like four foot tall, and then they're like, oh my god, this kid is like seven foot. He's gonna be the best quarterback of all time. And yeah, just like absolutely finesse the recruiting process. <laughs> hey, it's 2020. Everything's digital. I think Photoshop and everything works well. <laughs> We're just playing. We're just playing. Um, now, I, obviously, uh, I mean, is there any place that um, you've gotten into advanced talks with or anything like that or any anything that really piques your interest when it comes into it? I know I talk to a lot of recruits, and, you know, there's different things. Some people, like, you know, they want to play right away. You know, some people are really worried about their academics um, and exactly what programs they have. What is, like, driving your recruiting process, especially when you can't be at campuses and cultivate those relationships? Uh, I'd say the thing driving my recruiting process is definitely the academics of the school. I'd say – the school that I'm talking to the most right now is Princeton and it'd be super cool to go there. Cause like it's a cool town and it's a good football program, but more importantly, I'd be leaving with a degree from Princeton. Like that'd be amazing. And I'm talking to a few other schools in the Ivy league. Another thing about the Ivy league, they're really like, because you look at the schools like Penn is in Philadelphia, Columbia is in New York city. 
Harvard's and like where you go to school, like all the towns are really, really cool. So I feel like you'd get a really good college experience by going into the Ivy Leagues. So what is it with St. Francis and left-handed quarterbacks? Dude, I know. It's like, I don't think I've played one in my entire career. I've never gone up against a quarterback who's left-handed, but then there's Danny and there's me and there's Wyatt. I don't know what it is. If I had to guess as to what it was, I'd say it's because, like, our baseball program, like, lefties, obviously, in baseball, they're, like, trained to pitch and stuff and, like, throw, and that translates to football. And we've got a lot of baseball guys, so I guess that's how it would translate. But it's really weird because I've never played another left-handed quarterback in my life, but we have three. Mm-hmm. Do you think okay. Do you think that makes a disadvantage for other teams against you guys because it is kind of unorthodox? Yeah, I'd say that a lot of teams stick their best boundary corner on the like where you'd roll out to the right. That's where teams stick their best corner because usually you play a team with a right-handed quarterback, and they're usually stronger throwing to that side of the field. Coaches don't like to switch up their defense when it comes to stuff like that, so I do think it gives us an advantage. Mostly, if you play baseball, you're able to throw off platform like pretty easily. So rolling right or left, like baseball just gives you a huge advantage when it comes to stuff like that. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us here at the Get Around today. It was a pleasure talking with you. We really hope to see you on the field here in a couple of weeks and wish you the best of the luck through the uh, shutdown. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Another huge thank you to Charlie for joining us here at the Get Around. Uh, great to have our athletes on here. Uh, that was a great interview. I know he was very candid with us, especially when it came to uh, you know feeling underestimated with, with the Gladiators and feeling they really can do something big here in these last three games. So uh, that interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spent six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to get us into our all-region reveal, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't done one of these on the podcast in quite a long time, but what a better time to do it than in the middle of a pause when we have all of our accolades raked in for the season. The boys' soccer season had concluded before all of this, and we have plenty of amazing soccer talent here in northern Michigan. We saw that with three teams getting into the final four round of three different divisions. Uh, That was always exciting for our Northern Michigan athletes. So we have a lot of guys on our dream team and our second team. We are going to reveal each one of those here for the first time on the podcast. If you hear your name here and you want to see your name in the newspaper or your kid's name or your, you know, your athlete's name, uh, make sure you pick up a copy of this Sunday's Traverse City Record Eagle that will be in there along with our honorable mention list, which we will not be revealing here on this podcast but we will uh, have it in the newspaper. So if you want to see you made the list, make sure you pick up a copy on Sunday. So without any further ado, gentlemen, let's get into the 2020 All-Region Boys Soccer Dream Team for the Record Eagle. James, you led the way on this thing, so you get us started with our Player of the Year. Our Player of the Year is, is Colin Brock Blackport, the uh, junior midfielder from Trevor City West. He had 22 goals and 20 assists, um, which is pretty impressive in a team that had as much firepower as tc west did next on the dream team is gavin michael coincidentally also from tc west i don't even know why it's a coincidence they were really 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 good we had a lot of we had a hard time deciding who was the best titan who was going to be the one that gets player of the year but you know brock was one of 11 basically on all state michael was probably one of the most dangerous scorers on the team though he Put up 25 goals and 10 assists. That's, what, 50, 60 points? Um, 
two-term first-team All-State honors in Division One as well. So second in the Big North Conference in goals and points. They were pretty darn good. And Jake, can we take a guess at who's the third member of uh, the Dream Team? Tony Gallegos, obviously, our other Traverse City West Titan. That was a, kind of the three-headed monster that ran the Traverse City West Titans all the way to their second straight Division One state final. I mean, Tony had... 18 goals, 13 assists in 23 games. He got third team All-State, but, I mean, if you saw Tony play, they would feed him the ball and he could dribble around anybody and kind of, I mean, we know he's one of the fastest sprinters in the state and seeing him on the soccer field with a ball between his feet, uh, it's no different. He has some moves. Yeah, and I think the other reason he didn't get more than third team All-State is just because of how many guys Traverse City West had on the All-State team. Right, I mean, it was that's like, as Andrew said, it was hard for us to decide who was the best. When you looked at Traverse City West on the field, you know, if you didn't have stats in front of you, it would be hard to tell who was the best player on that team or who was kind of the cog because every time one of these guys was doing something crazy. Mm-hmm. They, and, then, just... and then when the Coaches Association put Blackport on their dream team, which is the 11 best players in the state regardless of class, that kind of made up our mind for us. Well, And, and I, I don't think we mentioned, Blackport is a midfielder with 22 goals, 20 assists. Gavin Michael, a forward. Tony Gallegos, a forward. So he was right up in there, you know, not even playing at that striker position. So that's one of those reasons why I think we all saw for what he was and his just total capable or capability of, uh, you know, facilitating from the middle is outrageous. If you want to go all the way back to the very beginning of the season, we had Colin Blackport on the the get around to start the season. We knew that Traverse City West was going to have an awesome year. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of started to be very interesting to kind of hear what that was like before they made their second run to the state finals. Uh, James, who we got next? So, yeah, up next is our first non-Traverse City West player, and that's uh, Glenn Lake Jr. Henry Plumstead, who's uh, our Offensive Player of the Year. Led everybody in the area in goals with 48, had 19 assists. Uh, somehow only made third-team All-State in Division Four. Um, despite scoring almost 50 goals. If I'm not mistaken, he led our area in goals last year too, didn't he? I think that could quite be true, yeah. I'm almost positive. I think he had somewhere between 37 and 44 last year and led our area in goals. So this kid has been an amazing striker throughout his entire career. You know, whenever I've talked to Coach Jared Boynton after the game, he just really talks about how much of a leader Henry is as a junior. He's really just the focal point of that offense for sure. Uh, I'm going to add Hunter Hicks, uh, senior from Petoskey, to the Dream Team. First team All-State pick in Division II. Uh, led the Northmen with 31 goals and 12 assists. That's quite a bit. Won the Big North Conference scoring title with 15-5 and five in league play, beating Gavin Michael by one point. Yeah, our former player of the year from last year, senior Preston Ball from Elk Rapids. Injuries kind of hampered his senior season a little bit and uh, you know, didn't quite keep him up in that player of the year conversation, but still had some great numbers. 21 goals, 11 assists, and scoring eight goals and five assists in the postseason alone. Obviously, the Elk Rapids Elks got over that regional hump, which was uh, a big deal for them under Coach Nate Plum. We'll hear more about that later. But he had 214 points in 980 career. (laughs) He had 214 points in 98 career high school games. So Preston Ball has always been a factor for the Elks in his time at Elk Rapids. Yep, next is Traverse City Central junior midfielder Everest Noyes, uh, somebody who we're looking forward to having some uh, fun with headlines with next year as he should be one of the top players overall in soccer next season in the area. But uh, put up 22 goals and had eight assists this season in only playing 17 games. It was just a consistent scoring threat for them, uh, along with his brother and Spike Peterson to lead that offense. 
going to another going to another Traverse City school with Marcus Rystack from TC Christian. The St. Francis kid played with mostly with as an attacking midfielder, put up some great stats with 25 goals and 23 assists. I just whenever I saw games that he played in, he was just making just really athletic plays on the ball too, um, dominating the midfield. Um, as a, def- as a defender as well. The team had 103 goals in 21 games with only goal- 11 goals allowed for a defense led by a goalie. Kobe Kolarvik and defender Freddy Capolo. Alrighty, another, so, elk, an- another elk makes the dream team here, this time coming from the midfield. Mahaney um, Vanderkirkhoff, one of my favorite names out here, uh, the center midfielder and three-time all-conference pick, often was a facilitator and dictated the Elks' offense. Even though his numbers weren't huge, he was a first-team All-State selection. So he definitely earned that. If you could see him play on the field, the coaches saw that very easily. He had two goals and eight assists this season uh, for the Elks. Then we have our second leading goal scorer in the area in Grayling's Elliot Boyk. Uh, he had put up 41 goals this season, which was second only to, to Plumstead and uh, also had 12 assists uh, to lead the Vikings, who had a, a pretty solid season for them. I was going to say the Vikings had a solid athletic season this year. Uh, I'm going to go to Leland. For Wyatt Sarine, state semifinalist, produced 11 goals and 11 assists this season. He was leader wherever he was. He not only served as Leland's captain, but he was also his North Storm club team. He posted stats of 25 goals and 35 assists. Uh, First team All-State pick. Another friend of the show, hopping on the Dream Team, somebody we had on just a couple of weeks ago. Senior defender from Traverse City West, Finn Durbin. You know, big kid, plays both football and soccer, dual-sported uh, for the fall uh, once again. Uh, one of only five defenders to make two All-State uh, teams in from the Michigan High School Coaches Association. Uh, you know, he was always on the back end, always there for Traverse City West, especially there in the playoffs. A very vocal leader, definitely deserving of the Dream Team. And then we have who uh, is our Defensive Player of the Year for the second year in a row, Elk Rapids senior defender Caden Patterson. Um, he led the Elks defense to a school record 19 shutouts this season um, and 34 over the past two seasons. He played 101 varsity games in his career, um, starting right away as a freshman. They only allowed goals in nine out of 24 games this season. Yeah, when I would, whenever I would call Coach, uh, or whenever Nate Plum would call us about a game, he'd always say, can you add Caden Patterson just as a defender? Because, you know, you, you can't really write about defenders statistics for defenders and soccer and he just said he, he would just tell me like he was amazing every game but i'm gonna go to leland again for jj pop uh center back for the stingy leland defense that put up 43 shutouts in his career and uh 14 this season he scored three goals this season all in the air adding two assists uh, another another big recommendation from trevor city central from coach mark fiegel uh, Parker Waskowitz, junior, uh, the junior from Traverse City Central, played defense. Uh, he said he's probably the smartest player on the Trojans and uh, obviously uh, has done a lot for them in the midfield and in the defensive side. Even had two goals and four assists from the back end, so definitely was part of that Trojans attack. Then we have Leland def- senior defender Ryan Howard. He's a four-time district champion and uh, second-team All-State selection. Often man-marked the opponent's best player holding them uh, all scoreless in conference play. So nobody that he covered in the conference play scored Yeah, and I, I'll this br- season. I'll say I'll bring this up. They they tagged Ryan Howard on Henry Plumstead. 
in the playoffs when they were playing each other, um, not in just the regular season, but in the playoffs as well. He had a feel for it in the, in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they played at Glen Lake, and uh, he held Henry Plumstead, our, you know, our 47-goal scorer, completely under wraps. So Ryan Howard, well-defended, well-deserving. Yeah, and he can pitch it a little bit on offense when needed. I mean, he scored the game-winning PK against uh, Muskegon West Michigan Christian in the penalty kick shootout. I'm going to go to Parker McHugh. He was the center back for the Lakers, um, and he not only played tough defense. I mean, Glenn Lake did have seven shutouts and only allowed more than three goals three times to teams that were not significantly larger than them. But on the offensive side, he added two goals and ten assists, earning all district honors. Yeah, I mean, Glenn Lake went out and played a bunch of teams, a bunch of like Division One, Division Two teams early in the season, and they gave up some goals in those games just because, you know, a lot of those teams will have so much more depth than they have. Um, but when they played schools of their own size, uh, you know, Parker helped that defense just really clamp down on people. I mean, if we're talking about defense, there's a couple of guys here that are going to round out our dream team that we just cannot forget about. A couple goalies, and just to start off is the senior goalie from uh, Leland, Gavin Miller, another friend of the show. Uh, you know, he's a three-time All-State goaltender two times earning uh, first-team All-State, including this year. He had 14 at shutouts in 2020 and had 43 over his career. I believe he started for the majority of the last three years, even a lot of four, but you know there was a couple times that he was switching back and forth. I think it was with Andy Mosqueda way back when. Um, but you know he had four district titles to his name and two regional titles and a state title. I mean, that's a heck of a career for a goalie out in Leland. Yeah, and then the same thing for uh, for Blade Cowflesh from Traverse City West, who's our other goalie. Um, he had uh, eight and a half shutouts this season. He uh, shared one with one of his teammates this season. But uh, So he was in on nine and uh, had a 78% save percentage, which is pretty solid in, in soccer. Uh, the save percentages are not nearly as high as they are in like, hockey. Um, and a 1.06 goals against average and you know, helped Traverse City West to the back-to-back Division One state finals appearances. Eight that, that was eight Traverse City players on this dream team. You know, we we've talked about it amongst ourselves internally, but what is the soccer culture in Traverse City, and how would how is that? What is allowed Traverse City schools to do well, particularly in soccer? I mean, the Traverse City Central and Traverse City West have been competitive and and pretty darn good programs for quite a while now. Um, you know, Central had a little bit of a dip there for a little while, but. You know, part of that's just you need some players. You need the horses sometimes. Um, but having uh, Traverse City Christian step up into that and have it kind of be a three-headed monster of teams in Traverse City is just makes it a, a place where schools of all sizes that are those elite programs will come to Traverse City to play. And that we gets, saw that we saw that yeah. earlier this season when soccer was only a, like soccer and volleyball. That was it, you know. Yeah, well, and that gives other teams an opportunity to play those teams, too. If you can bring those teams up here for, like, a little mini tournament, then you can have another, like, area team in there, like how, how Traverse City West had Elk Rapids in their tournament this year. So they got to play two, yeah, like, think, really high-ranked teams. Leland was in it last year. You know, and not like Elk Rapids is anything to sneeze at. No, but, but they're Division Three, and like I said, yeah, I think I think Leland played in it in 2019. So like that's they're bringing Division Four teams to play teams like Williamston and you know Lowell and um, Holland Christian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. William, and speaking of Elk Rapids, that brings us to our coach of the year, which is Elk Rapids is Nate Plum. Um, you know, like you said, they got over that 
they got over that hump and actually won the, the regional title, which had kind of been their stumbling block uh, the last few years. Um, usually Claire was where they would end up playing that, and uh, they didn't have to go to – but they got past that in, also in Claire this year. So he was able to take a team that just had um, – you know, they had good scorers up front, not like the level of Traverse City West, obviously, um, where he's got – where Matt Grissinger has like three, four guys that he can call on almost every game and just say, hey, go out there and score me some goals. And and Nate took this team and, and made them really focus on defense a lot. And you could really tell the uh, the impact that it made on their game, much much like Leland and their defense with, with Brandon Wheeler. Um, you know, we've seen that the teams that make the deep, deep playoff pushes have a great defense. They don't rely on, you know, scoring eight goals every game. Of course. And, I mean, making it all the way to state semifinals, Always a good thing. We, like I said, we had three schools do that, uh, but that was one of the first times in the last few years that, or m- more than just a few years, multiple years, that Elkraps have been able to make that jump. You know, Traverse City West, Leland, both kind of being in that spot in the last couple of years. Definitely deserving for Coach Nate Plum, so congratulations to the Elks. I mean, we had, what, four Elks on this, or five Elks on this dream team as well, so, you know, talk about the, the soccer culture out there, too. I think it's just a Northern Michigan thing. We're starting to get... Um, and Leland, too, a little yeah. More, exactly. We're starting to get a little bit more recognized. Now, we've already gone through our entire dream team. We do have, I think it's like 12 or 13 guys on our second team. We are not going to go as in-depth. If you want to hear more about these guys, make sure you pick up Sunday's edition of the Record Eagle. You'll be able to get all of their stats and their interesting stuff right there in that edition. So, without further ado, let's dive right in, guys. We'll go real quick. To start off with, Ian Bush, the junior center uh, midfielder from Gaylord. Obviously, helped lead the Blue Devils this year, um, especially when his teammates were out with injuries. So he definitely earned second-team honors. Yeah, and then you've got Elk Rapids junior goalie Jack Spencer. We, we talked about how good the Elk Rapids defense this year was with 19 shutouts. He had 17 of those where he started. Um, he's had 32 shutouts of his own over the last two seasons of the 34 that the team has put up. Put up. So, um, And uh, in the run of the state uh, – semifinals he didn't give up a goal that wasn't scored on a penalty kick and now we're going to move on to sam vukasevic uh goalie from north bay first mention of north bay on our second team they had a pretty good season uh district final appearance i believe um and when I, whenever i whenever i talked to jared boyton uh after leland's whenever i talked to jared boyton after glenn lake's games he's like no, they're they're a very good North Bay team, and our season has to run through them, and uh, a lot of it was because of uh, their defensive play, obviously. Another elk on this team, on second team, uh, James prefaced him earlier, but on the other side of Preston Ball is Mason Travis, the junior forward. Um, you know, has already been All Conference three times this year, had 21 goals this season. Obviously, has been a big part of that elk run to the state semifinals. Um, then we have another Traverse City Christian kid. We're talking about all the Traverse City guys, uh, Henry Reinick. Uh, uh, sophomore forward from Traverse City Christian played mostly forward this season and then uh, led the team with 27 goals and also 11 assists for a team that won 16 games this season. Man, were they young! I'm gonna move to Bryn Fisher, uh, forward from Glen Lake. Um, he was kind of the Henry Plumstead's right hand man all season. Uh, battle injuries this season still produced 11 goals with eight assists to make all district. Yeah, another Leland guy. Like you said, we've been filling this up, but this is a senior midfielder this time, Jaden Holston. Uh, obviously, he was a big part of that Leland midfield and defense and had 12 goals uh, this season. So he, he attacked as well. He wasn't just going to be hanging out there in the midfield. 
Then we have uh, Petoskey, junior midfielder Dylan Aldridge, fourth in the Big North Conference in scoring and third in goals with 10 in the league. First team all Big North, Big North Conference and honorable mention all-state selection. Another Tarver City West Titans surprise, it's Caden Ailes, second team all Big North Conference pick with nine goals and 11 assists, third in state finalist. He was third in the team in assists and fifth in points. Next is Petoskey's junior, J.J. Marshall. The midfielder was an honorable mention All-State pick in Division Two, And just like he was second team in the Big North Conference, he earned second team with the Rested Eagle. And then we have Elk Rapids junior midfielder, or senior midfielder, Taryn Peterson. He started as a freshman and played a school record 104 career varsity games. Selected honorable mention State in Division Three this year. Had two goals and eight assists on the season uh, for the Elks. Then I'm going to go to Jack Holtgren, uh, senior midfielder from Manistee. Uh, center midfielder, logged 13 goals and 13 assists for the Chippewas. First team, all Lakes 8 honors and honorable mention for All-State D3. Yeah, next is another TC Christian guy, the senior, Luke Montney. Uh, the defensive midfielder obviously had a lot to do with holding down teams for Traverse City Christian as they made a good run this season and, like, as you said, won 16 games. They won 16-3-2. Uh, so obviously that defense and that uh, uh, that midfield by Luke Montney helped in that. And we have Grayling senior midfielder Anthony Harrington, uh, another one of those guys who helped the Vikings this season. Uh, one of the top assist guys in all of northern Michigan. He had 26 this season. Also added in five goals and uh, as a two-time honorable mention all-state selection. And we're going to go to Josh Hershenberger, another Titan. First team all Big North Conference pick with 11 goals this season as a defensive midfielder, throwing in nine assists as well. It's another one of those guys that Matt Grissinger is just like, hey, I know you can score a goal here there. Let's do it. And last but not least is the Elk Rapids senior defender, Drake Collins. We've already talked so much about the Elk Rapids defense, putting up a school record number of shutouts, having a great, um, you know, a back-to-back defensive player of the year for us. He obviously helped on there and was an honorable honorable mention All-State pick in Division Four. So that does it for our dream team and our second team of our 2020 all-region soccer teams. We still have a host of gentlemen who are on our honorable mention list, so make sure that you pick up Sunday's edition of the Record Eagle to see all of these names in our nice, beautiful newspaper with all their pictures and their accomplishments and the rest of the second team and all-region list and stats. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. We only have one more little segment here today, fellas. All right, so that moves us into our trifecta, fellas, and some pretty cool news. I know we'll probably be having a story on it coming up in the Record Eagle somewhere or another, but sports betting is about to go mobile in the state of Michigan. We talked about a, a bit of it on this podcast. We all kind of enjoy it. Now that the uh, golf season has dissipated, we've turned all of our excess money uh, into – I, I kind of realized that I had that – I thought about that. I was like, yeah. Wow. You know, Sundays – normally Sundays we would golf and spend, what, like the $29 on golf? And then maybe twenty bucks on yeah, right. food or whatever. Something so like now, that. so now I go and spend balls. 20, yeah, spend twenty bucks at the casino, and I'm probably saving money. But I, that that's turned into the new addiction for the winter time is sports betting, and obviously we talk about it here on the podcast. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> but, but seriously, I mean, we I we we all we all chat about it and talk about it and try to get to it. So why not chat about it here on the podcast? Um, yeah, the joint committee of I think the. It's called JCAR. Um, oh, yeah, the Joint Committee of Administrative Rules today waived the 15-day session requirement needed to talk about 
and discuss the Michigan online sports betting rules. What that means is that they're now going to go on to the Secretary of State's office a lot sooner than we thought they were. It, it may mean we can bet on our phones by the end of the year. Yeah, which would be awesome. But that's what I want to bring up because, as I said, it, it does turn into a bit of an addiction when you want to go gamble some sports. How much more money are we spending? Is this like we start golfing two rounds a week where it turns into like a $50 a week habit because you can just do it on your phone? Because like you're saying, you're, ask, you're asking me about Spartans and Duke line because you know, they, they, they play tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have the time to go to the casino today. But man, I would like to put some money on my Spartans. I think this will what, what this will create is like okay, we're in the newsroom together. We're watching a game on the TV. I can literally put a quarter on the Spartans, and you can put a quarter or you can put a quarter on uh, Duke. You yeah, won't that's do not, that. that I'm obviously, say that sounds, oh no, I, I'm not. I'm not so much a homer that I would waste my money on bets. I don't think I would win, but I usually do still put some money on my Spartans just so I can like double revel if I do get it. So, like, now if you're, like, talking to debate between you and your friends, I'm like, oh, do you want to bet on this game? You could literally take it to the books on your phone. Yeah, I can't lie. I mean, it, it, it's – there's already been ways to kind of make that happen, but not through Michigan. So, I think that's the thing is that what this really does is you just actually – why they should expedite it, too, is it just gives Michigan the money, right? They do take, like, $100,000 in taxes. Exactly. So, it gives Michigan the money rather than all these other – betting sites or whatever you can do through Las Vegas or, you know, but uh, James, I know you have, yeah, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how much you guys have indulged, but do you guys see it being an increase in, in payment uh, frequency (laughs) after we go uh, via online? Yeah. Just the ease of it is going to make it so much better. I mean, not having to go to the sports book itself to, to place a bet and then to cash out if you win. Um, you know, I mean, I've got some winning tickets sitting in my wallet still from a couple of weeks ago that I just haven't cashed in because I didn't want to go back to the casino. And uh, so just being able to do it on your phone is going to make it so easy. I, I have a bunch of winning tickets here. They're not very good ones. But my favorite one that I won like $16 on is I put $9 on the uh, the Panthers at 135 <laughs> to beat the Lions a couple of weeks ago. So that's fun. Always bet against the Lions. That's what we should learn here on this podcast. If, <laughs> always bet against always bet against Kansas football. Yeah, but always bet against the Lions, uh, especially if you're from Michigan. It it, it really seriously. But I would say this is this this is the thing we'll leave you on. Now that Matt Patricia's gone, Daryl Bevel's the coach. We don't have a GM. It doesn't really matter what happens this season. Andrew doesn't think they'll tank. I think they're going to lose the majority of the rest of their games. Almost no problem. No matter. I didn't what say happens. they wouldn't lose. I said they. I, I mean, like I said, they wouldn't intentionally tank. No, I mean, either way, I just bet against the Lions, okay? Every time I talk to somebody, they're happy they bet against the Lions. So do it. When they lose and you're mad and sad, just why don't you bet against them and make yourself happy? Like, seriously, at one point in the season, it was Let the Lions bring you some joy. Right? And they covered by, like, like 20. I'll put it this way. Money is always, always better than just, like – a good Sunday beer that you crack after the Lions win. Maybe that will wait, make a way to make the games more interesting. Cause that's how I make the Kansas games more interesting. Is like lose, or, lose by more, lose by lose more, lose by more. Lose by more. Betting against your favorite yeah. team has that bonus. I don't know, that, but you know, know, but that's if, why. If they win, they win, and if they lose, then you just won your bet. Yeah, but I really do. Once again, I do wish that I was in town and I would have bet on the Spartans to beat Northwestern this past weekend because they had yet again. 
a fantastic money line odds going into that game. Maybe we should just keep him out. Uh, bet on bet on the Spartans tonight against Duke, even though you won't hear this episode by then. Go green, go white. All righty. Thank you so much for listening to episode 151 of the Get Around Podcast. We have one last, one last thing to do. So before we go, we have to give our subs away from episode 150 for interacting with us on social media. Thank you to Traverse City's Barb Edgecombe. Traverse City Central uh, parent, it looks like. We are going to get those sent out to you. That's four Jimmy John subs for you and your family to enjoy for interacting us with on for interacting with us on episode 150. If you want to win a few subs, make sure you interact with us here on 151. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Ednip. Follow James at JamesCook14. Follow Andrew at ByAndrewR. And follow all of us on Twitter at TCRE Sports for the daily and hourly sports updates. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you for episode 152.